Hello and good evening. My name is Kyle Eric, and this is A for Abled. So tonight we have a treat. I, while on, while on um, one of the groups I'm a part of on Facebook, um, someone approached me about doing an interview. He goes by the name of Trey Styles, and after, uh, and after doing some research on him, I found out that not on, not only do him and I have a have a few things in common when it comes to podcasting and how we approach our platform, he is also a fellow. Uh, a fellow creator and advocate for men, uh, advocate for mental health, and especially when it comes to Black youth, he is an uh, he is a uh, writer, author of Black of Black Boy Arise, which we will definitely touch on during this interview. He is a counselor and really a you know I, I can't I can't wait for you guys to meet him who doesn't know, and also the host of Black Man Talk. So let's give it up to Mr. Trey Styles. How are we doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on your platform. I really uh, appreciate that introduction. Man, no, uh, thank you for, you know, thank you for uh, for reaching out. You know? Um, yes. you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of things going down on on Facebook and different podcast groups specifically. Like sometimes you, you know, sometimes you put a flag out there letting people know that you're there, not expecting a response. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's just you know a breath of fresh air when somebody does want to actually tell their you know tell their story, you know. Yes. Um, so let's so let's start let's start let's start light. Tell the audience about yourself for those who don't know. Well, as you know, my name is Trey Styles. I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, growing up in Detroit, uh, Detroit's a tough place, but it's a good place. You know, contrary to popular opinion. People are not being murdered every single time they walk up and down the street. Right. Everybody's not violent. You know, there's some good people here. And I grew up, uh, I was born in 89. Mm-hmm. So I'll say my child was spent in the 90s, early 2000s. And I remember growing up in Detroit, I knew it was, I knew it was a, a tough place, but I thought it was just like any other place. Mm-hmm. Because all we know is our neighborhood, all we know is our city. And that's all we know is the block when, we, when we're kids. And unfortunately, Many of us, when we, in a, when we are adults, because a lot of us uh, stay stuck in our environment and don't grow for various reasons. Mm. But when I was growing up in Detroit, uh, you know, I remember my neighborhood being close-knit. You know, my grandma being one of the strong figures in the neighborhood, and us playing in the neighborhood with the kids. And I remember it being a lot of love. Like, mm. even though we got into fights with other kids on the block, some our parents were close, so even if they stop speaking for a while, it didn't lead to too much violence. And they'll say, if y'all can't play right, don't play at all. Play you know, at I remember all. those days, they, right, right, don't play at all. Or mm-hmm. you did something wrong, the neighbor come knock on your door and say, your child uh, hit my child or did something wrong. And, you know, and you had rare occasions when it, it can get out of hand, but it wasn't like people were uh, killing each other as much over over right. kid stuff or stuff like that when yeah. I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. So growing up in an environment, you know, it, it was cool coming up early on. I didn't realize that something was wrong with how I was growing up until I realized that something was wrong. That with something how I was, was wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and that happened years later during those uh, teenage years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, you know, I witnessed. I don't know if you want me to go into it now, but well, we can know. save. We can save a little. We can save a little bit um, because there's a because there there's a uh, there's a lot um, there's a there's a lot of material I've I you know, found after listening to your podcast, which I would suggest. You know anyone listen anyone listening to this go check out his podcast on youtube and uh i'll leave a, i'll leave uh all the respective links in the descriptions so everybody knows where to go including okay. your uh including including your social media handles so okay. all right so with that in mind you've been uh you've been podcasting uh according to according to your archives since about 2018 is that correct Yes, I started in December 2018, so it's been about two and a half years now. Yeah, and um, what made you? For, for, you know, first off, you know, thank you for 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 speaking out and and having another platform for you know for uh, Africa, you know, African American men especially because you know because being one myself, and I don't want to just be on a high horse, but. You know, some things that you that you had said, especially during your early episodes 
-hmm. that really resonated, that really resonated with me. Um, because I was also a reader, probably, you know, not, not as, you know, I will, I will admit not as much as you, I, I was the type of person that hated to be told to read. Um, mm -hmm. and also because I, you know, because I, you know, grew up the way, you know, grew up the way I did, I would, they would call, people would call me out on my blackness. Right. So when, so yeah, when you said yeah. people in your family, um, would basically call you out for, you know, for reading, mm -hmm. um, it, it kind of reminded me of what it was, of what it was like for me going to, you know, going to school and people would wonder like, is he, you know, is he, is he black? Basically, is he, right. like, is he, is he black? You know, is he black enough? Like, what are you doing using these big words? What do you, you know, how are you able to know how to, how to read this and, 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 and comprehend and comprehend what it means? Teachers would be like, man, he's so good. He, he reads so well. He's so well read. He's so this, he's so that. Well, kids would be, especially when I got to high school, it was like, excuse me, what, what's, you know, what's up? And, 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 um, and you claim not to be a nerd. I wear the, I wear that with pride, you know? Um, so when you, so when you had talked about that in one of the, in one of the interviews you did, I was like, no, he, he, like, I can, I, I can definitely relate to that. So can you speak on that a little more? Oh yes, absolutely. See, uh, <clears throat> now, now Kyle, see, I don't know, like, like, what would you say? And I'm gonna ask you a question. So, what kind of environment would you say you grew up in? Was it like, is it was it the inner city or suburbs or? I honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't really put, I couldn't really put a label on it. Um, okay. you know, most of my, most of where I lived was, you know, was pretty for, you know, for lack of a better word, safe. Um, okay. okay. Most of the time, I was in the public school system. I've also been in the private school system. Okay. Um, and I've been in like just school environments where where it was like okay we were on academic probation. In some cases, it felt like it felt like jail, uh, okay. even though I've never been to jail in my you know in my life. Certain aspects of it did feel it it didn't make me want to learn. That's the type okay. of environment that I was in. Okay, so so what I would say is me I, I grew up in the inner city, the hood in Detroit. Yeah, and you know. Uh, that when you grow up in like a deprived environment, like I grew up in, that's when a subculture of violence is is big in effect. Mm. Because a lot of times when you cut out from quote unquote the American dream or or having access mm -hmm. to you know uh, more resources, people will come up with ways to survive. People will come up with ways to justify their being. We come up with ways to you know assert ourselves. Yeah. So the environment I came up in, your masculinity was at a premium mm. with black men. We associated reading with being feminine. That's what I was brought up in. We associated uh, being kind with being weak in a lot mm. of ways. So the environment I grew up in, in my, with my neighborhood and in my family, the men thought being a man was about showing how hard you were. It was about fighting. It was about how many women you could have sex with. It was about uh, not cooperating with other men because they would look at that as weak. Even when a man is telling you right, you know, you feel as a challenge to your manhood, but it really just boils down to our insecurities. Yeah. So for me, I was coming up in that. I remember early on in my life telling one of my cousins that she tried to talk white or she was acting white because she spoke proper English. I told her that myself. And it wasn't until years later, so when I started reading and uh, get into writing and things like that. Yep. that. I feel ostracized by my own group. And it really goes, boys, it really goes back if you ever saw uh, the argument between like Jalen Rose and Grant Hill. Mm. In many respects, from Grant, with Jalen Rose being from Detroit and being from the hood, Grant Hill kind of growing up a little bit better. It's kind of that divide like that. Like we all, whatever, whatever we are exposed to, or however we grow up, we try to like how we grow up is better than other people grow up. Like whatever religion you have, you try like your religion is better than somebody else's religion. Oh, this is the right way, and there's no other way. But th I, that's what yeah, I was exposed to. Like, yeah, yeah, and that, that's what I was exposed to early on. Just with my when I started reading, I started reading because I was uh, depressed. I had always been inquisitive, but when I really started reading, it's because I was depressed and I was looking for an escape. 
because mm-hmm. of the catastrophic event that happened in my life that I, I think you want me to dive into later, not not right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I kind of got into reading because I was looking for an escape to, to escape my harsh reality. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, it, I became a pariah amongst my own own group because mm-hmm. nobody was doing what I was doing. And you know, whenever you're doing something different, whenever you're doing something that nobody else is doing, people are gonna look at you like you're strange or you're weird. Because most strange, people are followers. It's weird. It's taboo. It's not yeah. what we do. It's not. It's it's none of that. So, um, you also said that one of your one of your uh, favorite books or one that you could relate to was The Invisible Man. Is that correct? Oh yes. Oh yes. I love that book. So ex- so um, ex- ex- explain how that how that resonates with 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 you. The Invisible Man is such a powerful book to me because it's it's a it's a man. It's really a black man going through American society. Mm-hmm. And he feels invisible. And I definitely can relate to that mm. because I felt invisible, not only navigating mainstream America, you know, whatever that might be, but also navigating black America. Sometimes I felt like I was outcast. I felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. Mm. You know, okay, I want to learn about my history and all that. I'm, I'm talking to my peers. They don't want to talk about that. I want to live saying if I'm dating a woman, I'm, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be loyal. Right. Some people look at you weird for saying that. And then I see people saying they want this, they want that. And people doing the opposite. It's just like, it, it was, I related to that because it was like, where do you fit in? At? And then the narrator, the an invisible, man, invisible man was, it was like, he was find, trying to find himself the whole time. He went through many transformations. Went many, many transformations. Like I went through just trying to find yourself and discover yourself. Find out what you like, who you like, you know, what likes you, what, you know, and it, it was just kind of confusing at times mm. being a black man in America because we, we don't have a, like a a, 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 a rights of passage in our community. Like we don't know when we are men. It's like, you know, in the Jewish community, sometimes they, what they call it, the bar mitzvah, if I'm not bar mitzvah, depend, Depending yes. on if you're a, if you're a male bar mitzvah and I think if it's a female bat mitzvah, but uh, I could be wrong, but. Right. Yeah. Right. So they know when they're men. Other communities, they have a right to pass it. They know when they're men. We don't have that. So a lot of us come up with stuff like, oh, I'm a man when I lose my virginity. I'm a man when I get some hair on my chest. Mm. I'm a man because I can fight. I'm a man because I don't back down. I'm a man because I do what I want to do, regardless of what anybody say. And a lot of those uh, ways we take on is not really positively productive to us being... Yeah. But good citizens and and just good for our our family's general welfare. Mm. And so I definitely relate to the Invisible Man because I was like, this man is trying to find himself. He went through a lot of stuff. You know, he went through a lot of stuff, and you know, it was uh, it was definitely a, a tough a tough place for him to, to navigate. And I can definitely relate to that because it hasn't been easy for me. You know. Yeah. It. it- like every everybody goes through everyone goes through a journey right yeah life life itself life itself is a journey but when it it comes when it comes to when it comes to you know when it comes to black men obviously a lot of the of the systems and a lot of the blacks in that in in that journey they're set they're they're set up to break us down yes so so in cases like that, because the, because it's already expected that because we're even today, like I'm seeing a lot of I'm seeing a lot of firsts today. Like I'm still I'm still I'm still I'm seeing brothers and sisters, you know, getting their you know, being the first to get their degree in their family or being the first valedictorian in schools or or getting a pilot's license at 17, 18 years old. And I'm like, yo, that is awesome. That should be rec- you know, that should be recognized. That should that that should be you know, forever that that should be forever talked about. But at the same time, you also see uh, like steps back that don't that don't make any sense. Like, you know, little boys and girls getting getting uh, you know suspended because of their hair. They might have like great you know good grades and everything, but it's like oh no, their hair is a distraction, right? Or right. They, or their um, you know or their bandanas or their colors or whatever representing their wherever they're from that's a that's a distraction, or you know even even the um, even the fact that they made Juneteenth a national holiday right mm-hmm. 
and now you and you have you know and you have people on on the other side saying they don't want to teach they don't want to teach the history behind Juneteenth they don't want to teach uh, critical race theory any of that because it's mm -hmm. because to them it's a uh, you know it has nothing to do with their curriculum or how they to pick you know education and all that and I'm like what year is this. Some, sometimes I'm, I wonder to myself, what year are we in again? Are we in 2021 or are we back in the 1920s? Mm -hmm. or, you know, you know? they're saying the more things change, the more they stay the same. The more they stay the same. And mm -hmm. while I, you know, I, I love to look on the positives. You know, I, I love to, uh, to, to look at, you know, where we've been and where we're going. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, but, um, with you, but with you, I noticed that, you know, you, you took, speaking of being positive, you took everything that you, that you went through and you, and you turned it into your, your power, your, your, your escapism became your power, your, your, uh, you know, your, the way, the way that you articulate and the way that you perceive in the way that perceive the world, your, your, you know, your reading, the people that you are influenced by all of that became a powerful tool for you. Mm -hmm. So um, what made, um, so when and what made you want to become a youth counselor? Well, youth counselor, uh, what, I would say that came officially, like official role later on. But as soon as I started to learn about my history, when I got into Malcolm X, <clears throat> you know, Malcolm X inspired me probably more than any man in my life, mm -hmm. he did more than any man in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, just because uh, he was like a, a idea, he became more like, you know, a concept of how people view God. Although I didn't view, although I didn't view him as a God, I just held him, right. you know, very high because of, you know his character, you know, his discipline, his focus, and you know mm -hmm. he stood on his principles regardless of what anybody thought. So when I started learning about my history, you know, I just started reading, and I wanted to drop knowledge on everybody I could come across. I wanted to let them know what I had found out because it brought a new sense of purpose. It brought new life to me. And I wanted to let my people know that it's another way of doing things and that it's more to life than just smoking, drinking, mm -hmm. and partying. Mm -hmm. You know, we can live a fuller life. So that happened like my, my teenage years, like 14, 15, when I got really into my history and stuff like that. And so, I had been a, I had been a counselor unofficially since th that time, really, because even when I was like 19, right, even when I was 19, I was like trying to encourage people that were older than me and my family, mm. even you know, my mom in some respects and some of my older relatives in some respects, just trying to help them to become better, you mm -hmm. know, and I did notice like some of the things I changed about myself, like even some of my eating habits, so I stopped eating pork, beef, mm. red meat. Mm. How I would go to some of the family functions and people would say, okay, we got this set aside for you, Trey. And then some of them started trying to eat better as well. Some, some cutting down as well. So that influence happened early on. But I officially became a, a youth counselor in my, uh, my, my mid to late 20s. That's when I, after I had graduated college. I had graduated, and I was the first person in my family you know, to graduate from college, first male to graduate from high school. Awesome. And first to do graduate from grad school as well. Hmm. I went I went to grad school at Wayne State University, undergrad at Wayne State University. Got my bachelor's in political science. I was going to be a lawyer at first, but I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer. And I went on to grad school and got an MPA, a master's of public administration, mm -hmm. which is a professional degree, professional graduate degree. And from there, I went on to do, become a youth counselor because I wanted to give back to the youth because I thought like, uh, it's the best way to give back to those babies. You know, though they troubled, it's the best way to get back to those babies. Even though they're troubled, and a lot of them think they're grown, they're really not grown. Now I remember when I was a teenager, how I, I needed help. And I was able to, you know, get that help. Like really, really primarily for me, you know, because I didn't have many people around helping me, although my mama was always supporting me in the best way she could. Mm -hmm. and she had her own problems, you know, you know, taking on a lot of responsibility in the family. Everybody relied on her. So she had a lot on her plate. Mm. But me becoming a youth counselor was just my way of giving back. I wanted to help those kids that reminded me of myself. And when I got there, I realized how fortunate I still was, despite 
how tough circumstances have been for me. And I, I realized I, that, uh, no, no, continue. I'm I, sorry. I realized that, uh, that no school, I, I realized that the stuff that they were exposed to was worse than the things I was exposed to. Mm-hmm. I had my mama in my life who told me she loved me every day. Some of them had never had nobody tell them they ever loved, that they ever loved them. Mm. Some of them were, you know, sexually abused. Some of them was in there for rape. Some of them had committed rape. Some of them had mm. committed murders. <clears throat> so it was a 12 year old in there who had tried to murder his parents. Mm. It was some kids in there, their age range was 12 to 21. Some kids were in there since they was 12 and they was waiting to go to prison at 21 for the rest of their life. Some of them was waiting to turn 21 to, to see if they were gonna be able to go home or they mm. were gonna pr- go to prison for the rest of their life. It was like a lot of trauma. I was on the trauma pod. Even though I did work on all the pods, my main pod was the trauma pod. Mm. It was just a lot of a lot of trauma. They had layers and layers upon trauma. And it was a lot to deal with. I, it was mental illnesses I had never heard of, like schizoaffective. I had never heard of that. Mm. I heard of schizo, you know, the, 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 the other schizophrenic and all that, mm. but I had never heard of schizoaffective. So it was half the kids on the pile were on medication. So I was mm. wondering, like, when they got out of there, what they were going to do when they didn't have access to their medication. Mm. Um, so have you, um, so no, so knowing that you've been around uh, trauma and helped those who have been through trauma, have you, um, did you ever seek uh, any kind of, uh, any kind of psychological help yourself? Oh, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> number one, I had, a, I had a breakdown when I was about 16 years old. Even though I was gaining knowledge of self, I just still had a breakdown. Mm. And I had to go to a crisis center. I went there for five days. Because I told my mom I was contemplating suicide. Mm. So, and so I went there. And it, it was good while I was there. I uh, had people help me in my confidence because I felt ugly. And I told uh, the new counselor I, I didn't like my face. He said, I don't see nothing wrong with your face. The lady told me, she was like, the, the lady counselor said, you, you're a handsome young man. Stop being so hard on yourself. And it felt good in that moment. And I was happy that people make me feel good at the time. And we talked about things. We talked about our lives. I circled with the other youths that was in there. And it, and it felt it felt good for the time being. You know, uh, it was hard because that's the only time I ever been away from my mother in my life. You know, those five days, I know it was real hard on her. Mm-hmm. And I saw her walking away. I know she... Kind of like I had tears now when she dropped me off because we had never been apart like that. Mm. <clears throat> and um, so while being there, though, I did talk to a, a doctor. And we just talked about a lot of things and talking about what was going on with me and everything. And I told him what was going on. But I did make a vow to myself in there that when I was laying on that bed, I said I would never get that low again in my life. And I've had a lot of tough times happen out of that, and I never got that low again in my life. Beautiful, beautiful. I've been through. Uh, I'm I'm currently in um, th- uh, therapy myself. I go to a psycho. I go to a psychologist every other week. Um, I'm in therapy right now as well. Thank you. Um, I um, which uh, what you call it? As a, as a kid, um, I also contemplated suicide for a little. You know, for a little bit of my life, and I would tell. I told the kids in my class, this was third grade. I told, I told kids in my class, I would, I would literally go into, you go into the, you know, go into the class asking people to hit me over the head with a hammer, you know, and my mom found out about this. Next thing you know, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a psychologist uh, room full of toys and stuff, just telling her why I'm feeling the way I am. And, now as you know now as an adult i'm back you know here again but thankfully the the suicidal thoughts while they're while they're just in the back of my head they don't bubble up to the you know bubble up to the surface i haven't had that i haven't had that feeling in a while right but i still acknowledge that they're there you know now like you know now what drove you to contemplate suicide um okay so and this is your interview right but (laughs) No, I'm just, I'm just, you know, it's right. I'm just, no, 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 no. It's cool. It's cool. See, conversation flowing. Um, so I grew up, I have a disability, right? Okay. And it's a very noticeable one, right? And when I went to the private school system, 
I was the weird kid, mm-hmm. right? Because there wasn't too many people like me. There were black kids, mm-hmm. but there wasn't too many people with disabilities at the time, right? Okay. And okay. I was also the shy one. Like I would okay. say like, hey, I can hear music and stuff in my head because I had a very active imagination. So, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, kids would call me weird. They tease, you know, they tease me. I didn't know how to take a joke. Uh, my grades were not all that bad, but also not great. And I was having trouble making friends. So to me, it was like one day I was like, maybe, um, maybe it'd be better off if I wasn't around. Right. Mm. So, so one day I came home after school because I was tired of getting teased and tried to choke myself with a belt. Mm. Right. So Mm. that's, that was my, you know, that was my attempt. And that's when I started you know, just playfully, but not playfully, you know what I'm saying? Because it's a cry for help asking people to hit me over the head with sledgehammers and whatnot. Mm. And then my mom found out and that's how I, and that's how I had my first, you know, my, my, my first psychologist uh, for like a summer. And then I decided I didn't need it anymore, you know, but at least, okay. at least my parents, they saw that something was wrong. They heard what was going on and they decided, and they took action. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That's good. That's My good. parents have always been very encouraging when it comes when it comes to things that I wanted to do, like my siblings and I wanted to do. I come from a I come from a big family. Yes, okay. there, you know, there are uh, some of us who didn't have those opportunities for one reason or another. Um, but in my you know, in my case, my family was never the issue. The world was, mm. you know. I like that. I'm glad you're here. And that's a, that's a success story right there, man. You overcoming the, having a disability and overcoming yeah. the tough childhood and being here doing the podcast, sharing your story with the world. Yeah. That's powerful right there. That's why that's why this is called A for Able, because we focus on the things that we can do as opposed to the things that we can't do. The limitations are there. We acknowledge that they're there, but that's not the main focus because I was tired of getting put in boxes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they put us in boxes as black men, period. Right. Yes. Like if I were to go on a bus, like this actually, this actually happened to me. Speak, you know, speaking of, um, if I were to go on a bus, I'm like, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to my, to my medical appointment. Right. And it was just me and the, and the bus driver. And we're just having a good conversation and she's noticing the way I'm talking. So she stops me one at once and says, um, where did you go to school? Like you speak so clear. Where did you go to school? Now, keep in mind, I'm in my late 20s. Mm-hmm. And this is a, you know, and this is a black woman, um, a little younger than my a little younger than my mother. And she asked me, where, you know, where was I? Where was I educated? Where did I go to school? And I tell mm-hmm. her and she's, you know, she acts very um surprise so when i ask her what was so surprising about it she says because your generation talks a certain way she wasn't expecting it coming from me but that's but that's my you know that but that's part of my that's part of my story like my mom she didn't when we were when 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 me and my sister were growing up she didn't talk baby talk to us we were having like full conversations you know so I was talking early. So that's just the way I am. So getting back to you. <laughs> so getting back to um, getting back to your um, to uh, what we were discuss what we were discussing earlier. So you originally. So my my follow up question to the youth counselor thing, uh, you already answered. You said you wanted to be a lawyer originally. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. What was the uh, what was the thought process about about uh, about your first goal of being a lawyer? Well, well the, the, the first goal wasn't to be a lawyer. Oh, I'm I mean, sorry. Uh, when I went to no, 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 I'm, I know that's cool. My first, my first goal when I when I went to uh, to college, I was going to be a journalist, and I was going to be a journalist. Oh, but then you go, you know, in college, you go through so many changes in your major. You know, you grow yeah. on, you change, you experience in different things, and so mm-hmm. from being a journalist <clears throat> to you know thinking about being a lawyer, and you know, so I ended up taking a poli side because I thought I, mean, I would be what you call like a, a revolutionary lawyer, kind of mm-hmm. like a Chuck Way Lumumba or 
Mm. Out in a, a, a Maddox, one mm. of them, one of those guys, one of those brothers, because I, I got a lot of respect for them. And what makes you, you know, really like Mr. Lamumba is because he's from Detroit, like, like me. You know, he became a mayor of uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Mm. And I think his son is the current mayor of Jackson, Mississippi as well. But uh, so that, that was the idea. But then I did more, more research on being a lawyer. I read books about on Johnny Cochran, I read his book, I think called A Lawyer's Life, mm-hmm. you know, and I found out what it was really like to be a lawyer. And I said, I, I, I don't want to do that. Mm. You know, I'm not interested in that. But So that, that's what changed that, you know, initially wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be like, you know, of course, an advocate for my people, right. an advocate for justice. That's what got me into thinking about being a, a lawyer. But it's weird because when I said I was going to be a journalist, Essentially, doing this podcast and thing, I kind of, I'm in that spirit now. I didn't you, return to that in the journey. So, right. Yeah. And, and, and also, when I graduated from high school, I remember my English teacher telling me before then, she said I could write for the newspaper. But I remember mm-hmm. walking across the stage, she said, Congratulations, future writer. And I felt so good when she said that to me. Years later, I'm a podcaster and a and, writer. And, yeah. And speaking of, let's get into your, let's get into your book. Okay. Let's get into let's get into let's get into Black Boy Arise, man. Let's get into that. What? Okay. So, so here you so here you are. You became what your you know, what your teacher saw in you. She she knew that you were going to end up being a writer. She mm-hmm. spoke that into the universe, and you became the writer that you are. So yeah. let's talk about so let's talk about your book now. First off, the title. Black boy arise, right? Mm-hmm. First thing that comes to my mind, because I saw the cover, I looked up your, you know, you can find it all on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see the I see the cover, but in my mind, I'm like, when I hear the term arise, I think of a phoenix rising from the ashes, mm-hmm. you know? Or if you want to go in more literal terms, someone rising from their circumstances. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So was that your um, was that your overall intent with that title? Absolutely, because it's kind of like I come from very humble beginnings, and I had to overcome a whole lot in order to get to where I'm at today. You know, and then you know, of course, I had a picture of my city in the background, which I love right. dearly. You know, I mm-hmm. love my hometown, despite what people may say about it. I love my city because there's a lot of beautiful people that come from the city of Detroit. It's got so a lot of history too. Yeah, yeah, it does. And so that, that's like Detroit in the background and this brother rising from the ashes, like Tupac said, uh, I'm that rose that grew from the concrete. Concrete. Mm-hmm. You are you are the rose that, that rose from the concrete. You are the rose that grew Thank from you. the concrete. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's so did you. OK, so how long did it take you to write? Because I noticed that it came out uh, in April of last year. Yes. So, um, so how long exactly did it take? Did it take you to write this? And uh, um, and what made you? Uh, this is independently published, correct? Yes. Okay. So I noticed a lot of a lot of more people are going that route, including some of my best friends. I even yeah. work with some with um, with the up and coming book editor. Um, so, what what so what made you want to take what what made you want to take that route? And how long exactly did it take you to write? Well, initially, uh, it was always like self-published, but I went to a self-publishing house mm-hmm. here, uh, based in uh, Detroit, Michigan, mm-hmm. and it was a, it was a black-owned self-publishing house. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted, uh, you know, one hundred percent control over everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to control my own destiny. You know, I got big dreams. I want to eventually turn my book into a, a movie. You know, I, so I had big dreams. And I wanted to be able to. They control all of that, you yeah. know. It's, 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 it came from my, it's my brainchild. It yeah. came from my mind's eye. It's my my work, and I want to control it all. And wow. I just think that, that being an entrepreneur, being self published that's that's the best route because you got creative control, right? And I didn't want to have to fight with nobody about something that I came up with. Like I'm, yeah. I, what's the idea? Well, I'm gonna fight with you about something that's mine. You know, you wouldn't have this if it wasn't for me. Well, I'm gonna fight with you about that. So that's where I come from, just wanting to have ownership and control. And then also being a black man and, you know, our black community is last in place in America and globally because we don't have ownership and control. Somebody else has ownership and control of our community. So if you 
can't control your you, you can't control your destiny without controlling your finances number one but Truth. you can't control anything if you don't have control of your own resources truth so that was all a part of that and took me i was say it took me uh, uh a few months three four months to write the book like we're just sitting down and really processing it because mm-hmm. when you write a book uh you know it, it takes a lot of in- mental energy a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know it takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of focus some days I would sit down now I, I could only write one page. Some days I could sit down and I write 10 pages. Some days it's two, some days, some days it's three. You know, each day is different. Sometimes it just flows and sometimes it's just like, man, I only wrote a paragraph. I gotta go sit around and go do something else. Yeah. So it took about three, three or four months to write it. But you know, working with my editor to make the the book the best book possible. Mm-hmm. You know, it took time, you know, you know, uh longer for the processing, you know, the rewrites, or uh, maybe you should try this, maybe you should try that. And I'm deciding if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, add this part, take this part out. You know, so that uh, prolonged it, but the actual write, writing, just write it all, took about three, four months for me. Okay, so let's talk about the contents of, you know, let's talk about the contents of the book. Um, that was the first thing that I, I didn't get a chance to, I haven't gotten a chance to read it. I do uh, plan on buying it though. Um, so let's talk about the, let's talk about the contents of, um, you know, of the book. Um, when you first started, when you first started, uh, you know, when you first started writing it, what were the first things that started coming to your, coming to your mind? Did you, because some people don't write the beginning, you know, at the beginning first, they just start jotting things down and seeing where it all connects. So what was, so what was the, what was your process going into that? My process is, uh, how I started off was like fairly easy because it was the the catastrophic event that happened in my life when I was 14, when I witnessed a you know a, a, a fatal shooting involving mm-hmm. a family member, and I had to go uh, to trial, you know, to be a witness. Uh, and I was went to a deep seated depression, which got me into reading. I was paranoid. I was worried about retaliation. I was scared to go anywhere. I just went into a shell. And I just remember before that even happened, I was coming out of my shell because I had always been kind of bashful mm. when I wasn't around people that wasn't my family or people who had become my friends. I was always bashful. I know it was that person at the time in school to just be out there, you know, just the Same people that people were just attracted to. You know, I was just more laid back. Mm. But I was coming out of my shell. I had got more confidence to speak to young ladies. At that time, I used to always... Before that, I used to always ask my friends to hook me up. My family members hook me up. Then when they come, I say, uh, they be like, you know, Trey like you. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I was real bashful, but I was getting more confidence. I had a girlfriend my eighth grade year, and I was feeling feeling better. Mm. And that happened. Dance didn't happen. It just changed the whole trajectory of my life. And I was rising and from that. Went down, like uh, went down real low. Mm. And so that's what started the book off. Because I remember me thinking, like, that's what changed my whole life. That changed the whole trajectory of my life. I mean, when it happened, it just it just, it just really changed me because I never thought I would see nothing like that. I grew up in a tough place. Yeah, I knew about people being murdered in mm. Detroit, but to witness that firsthand when you had just turned fourteen, that's that's a lot to deal with. Talk so about, it was important for me to talk about that in my book to get to the point to draw people in and say like this is what happened this is what happened to this kid and that's black boy rise talk about trauma man i uh um i i remember i remember during my research um you saying that during a uh interview i didn't know at the time that that was the inspiration for the book so with so with so with that being said, do you feel that this book was therapeutic for you? Oh, uh, absolutely! It was absolutely therapeutic because I was ready to share my story. I held back so much in my life. I had, well, I had been held back so much in my life because of the trauma I had went through even before that. The trauma of just growing up in a dysfunctional household with people that's on drugs, people that's alcoholics, people that's uh, Physically, physically abusive, mm. verbally abusive, emotionally abusive. Even some people I love the most, like 
I love my big mama to death. I love my grandma to death, to life or whatever, you know. But in some ways, she was abusive, like verbally, like even saying stuff, I'll beat the black off for you. Or us being whooped sometimes, and not that we got a, a whooping, us being teased or, you know, having to like get whooped sometimes, you got to jump up and down after that, and people laugh and think it was funny. That's humiliating, you know. That's, yeah. That scars you. But I do want to say, like, uh, that was part of the inspiration for my book like the incident, but the whole thing was just really me getting secure myself and ready to share my story with the world because I thought I was alone. I realized it was so many black men, it was so many young black men as well, going through what I went through and they probably felt alone like I, I did, but I realized I wasn't alone. It was countless people that went through what I went through. All I do is put that story out there and that could build a sense of community and a sense of healing for us. I, I I totally I I totally agree. Um, it's you know like we talk about mental health a lot on this podcast. We talk about disabilities. We talk about mental health. We've had people from all walks of life tell their stories, and each one is different. A lot of a lot of people have you know have uh, common uh, you know similarities, but mm-hmm. every you know but each one is different. And right. when you tell me you know when you talk about your you know your own personal trauma within and also you know and also living you know living around it it's it's like now that you have have you know have opened pandora's box as it were right mm-hmm. um like where do you where do you see this you know where do you see this where do you see this going because it's already starting to reach people you know mm-hmm. it, it's already starting to reach people and you know, and obviously, once you once you start once you start writing, that's not the end. Like when you when you start writing, you may you may write like, may, you know, you may write something you know something different, but you never really stop. So, do you see yourself writing more? You know, writing more in the future. And if so, do you have anything that you would like to share? Oh, absolutely. I'm in, a, in the process right now, writing something right now. Really, you know, it's the concept right now. You know, just jotting down ideas. But writing is what I love. So. I'm definitely going to be, I'm here, I'm here to stay because I love writing. I love expressing myself. Eventually mm-hmm. I'm going to get off to film plays, all that's on my bucket list. All of those things. So I want to understand how powerful the media is. Michael yeah. Max once said the media is the most powerful entity on earth. He said it has the ability to make a, a bad man look good and a good man look bad. And I want to change that. Mm. narrative of of the negativity that's been put out there about black people and black men in particular and tell a different story tell a different story for somebody who's like myself who come from the hood and i come from the hood i was exposed to everything i never sold drugs i never gang bang i never robbed anybody all that was around me I had people in my family who've murdered people like i had people in my family who've been murdered Mm. So I've experienced it all. And I want to tell a different story about a brother who's from the hood, first generation, graduate high school, graduate college, then grad school, first to do a book, first to do a podcast, a bunch of firsts, a pioneer, trailblazer. Right. You're there's already, a lot of us out there like that. You're already changing. You're you're you took you took control of the narrative. You took control of the narrative. A long, you know, a long time ago. But when you started putting pen to paper, and then later on putting your, you know, putting yourself out there on the mic, you, yeah. I feel like you really just started to say, you know what, this is this is it. Whatever I'm, whatever I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna let, I'm just gonna let things be. Let people tell their stories. I'm gonna tell my story and hopefully encourage someone to be able to tell theirs without being, without worrying about being uh bullied or or ostracized or anything else because really we we need that especially in this community we we need we need we need more you know we need more you know people like you know people like you and the people in the groups that we're in you know yes because because even though it's being talked about talking does not i'm gonna quote my mom here um actions speak louder than words she would always say that to me every time i would come home with a uh you know, with a bad grade and she knew I could do, you know, she knew I could do better, you know? Absolutely. 
she would she would say like I know you know this you're at you know your but your actions speak louder than your words I would I would come up with any excuse in the book about why I failed the test or whatever and or mm -hmm. you know or why I'm you know not while I'm doing okay in this class versus this class and you know it'd be a whole different thing and she would say your actions speak louder than words. Like I'd say, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. And she said, your actions speak louder than words. And I, at one point tried to challenge that, but nah, I was young. That's mom. I, you know, but really what you're, what you're doing is taking action by using your words. You know? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and, written and really like, if you, like the net with the net, with the next level be with the next level being possibly, uh, a play or a movie or you know or something you know you you know you can you and i gotta stay in contact oh yeah uh, i plan to stay in contact with you period yeah yeah. that's yeah, what it's yeah. all about it all about about us networking most I mean, definitely you know, most, most definitely you can be my like i said you're gonna be my connecticut connecticut connect i'm gonna be your detroit connect and that's how it's supposed to be we're supposed to be able to network mm -hmm. all over the states but all over the world you know that that's we gotta we gotta, get, we gotta stay connected that's so important yeah um speaking okay so speaking of con uh, connecting um so i um so i know you you're probably familiar with dr umar right absolutely okay so a couple a couple interviews that i've seen with him right like i agree with a lot of stuff that he says right some things i'm like mm, i'm not so sure about that brother but you know everybody has their own opinion but his most recent interview he was talking about the education system and how he wanted to build a school and get people around the neighborhood and everywhere to volunteer, you know, to volunteer their time and help build, you know, and help build the school. But they were like, oh, I don't have time. I don't have this or whatever, you know, right. But he would say, if I told them we were trying to build like a, like a store or something or a package store or something, they'd probably, they'd probably come and they'd probably come and do it. If I told them that they, you know, especially, you know, it's, talking about the black community. If I told them I was trying to, you know, if I was trying to build this, this type of thing, they would, you know, they would come in and do it. But when it came, when it comes to educating the, you know, educating the community, there's a lot of things that we do not come together on because we can't agree on anything, or we've been beaten down so much by society that we don't think anything will really change. Mm -hmm. So, so at least that's the, how, what I got out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so what do you so what do you think we need to do to re, to start seeing real change in our community? Number number one, we, we have to understand that we're not going to agree on everything. We we're never going to agree on every single thing all the time. That's number one. But sometimes we gotta we gotta apply operational unity. Mm. Like we don't agree on these five things. That's fine, but we agree on this one thing, so let's work towards that. Uh, now he's talking about because <clears throat> I didn't hear the interview, but I'm just gonna quote you on this. He said that if we were building a store, people would invest in it, but not the school. I'm not so sure about that either. You know, I'm not so sure about that either because a lot of times we are resistant to helping one another. Yeah, we try to compete with one another too often. I yeah. think. Uh, it's tough. It's definitely tough, but you have to you have to really seek seek out the people who really, really are are passionate about it. Mm -hmm. You got to get those people involved. Mm -hmm. Those people who really, really care about the community because life gets busy for all of us. Mm -hmm. But there's some things that we will make time for. You know, some people will complain. Some people make time for partying. Yeah. Some people make time to chase women or to chase men or to chase a high. You know, we make time for that. But it's all you got to find somebody who prioritizes that, who's really passionate about that. Mm. And you got to call people out and let them know that we need the hard work because many people gonna really put in that work. Mm. Because I think we just expect all black people just to get on board. It's not gonna happen because all of us don't think alike. Some of us don't really care about that. Some of us don't care about community. Some of us don't care about building. So you can't shame those people. You can't use shaming tactics. You have to find the people that's like you. But that's why you got to open up 
and network with more people. Like how you found me and how I found you. Yeah. We, we got some similarities. Yeah. We build right. and we're working together right now. That was the, you know, that was the idea. Like I wasn't going to like, even the, even though you and I had never met up until, you know, up until uh, just a few days ago, when you, when you put out that olive branch, when you gave me that olive branch, I'm like, I'm going to take it because I wanted to hear things from your perspective, you know, mm-hmm. and then getting to, you know, research, like researching you was one thing, but then actually getting to talk to you and hear things from your, you know, from your uh, from your perspective and your own personal journey, it's like, okay, you know, look, people need to hear this. People need to hear you. They need, they, they need to check out your, you know, need to check out your podcast. They got to check out your book. It's, and it's not, and I'm not trying to just gas you up because, you know, just, you know, just because I actually do really believe that you have something great and it deserves to be, it deserves to be the, your, your reach, you deserve to reach more people, you know. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, so you know what? Let's get to some fun stuff because I, you know, we 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 went down that we went down that rabbit hole for a while, but I wanted to go. I want to get to the fun stuff before we get out of here. Okay. All right. So, one of your favorite movies is Finding Forrester, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I love that. I love that movie, man. Like my mom and I, that that was like <laughs> one of our uh, like. I'd say like one of our favorite movies to watch. It's a, you know, it's a long, it's a long one, but it's a really, it's a really relatable one. And, Love that movie. And, it, and, it, and it goes back to what we were, you know, to what we were both, you know, talking about before, like the main, the main character just wants to fit in. Yeah. You know, he just wants to fit in, but it's like that. It's like that saying, why fit in when you're born to stand out? That's right. Go, you, know? uh, you go where you celebrate not tolerate exactly exactly he wasn't like and it's not about being it's not about being better than anyone because i think because once again i think yes we are very we are very competitive but i think mm-hmm. but you know judging from our history it wasn't always that way you know mm-hmm. but i think that's what it is everybody thinks they got to one-up everybody you know and unfortunately and, and and go and and then but when you look into when you look into um the main character in in finding forrester he found common ground with an old man who had who had basically given up on society had given up on himself to the point where he developed which i didn't know this at the time but agoraphobia like mm-hmm. he, he was um or was it claustro- no no it's more like claustrophobia because he was all right with staying indoors but yeah you know but when he tried, when he tried to go out, he noticed that it wasn't, it wasn't easy. His, you know, his, his, his you know, his, his friend, this young man tried to get him to go out and do, you know, and do more things. And he's like, you're helping me. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. Right. And you just saw that even though they are from totally different walks of life, you know, totally different, totally different times, really, you know, it's like, they're not that you're they're not that different they can still inspire each they can still inspire and reach each other right and mm-hmm. i feel like i feel like now you know speak you know speaking from where we were before i feel like things are changing but once again it's like we go like we 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 go up and then we're and then we just go two more steps down for for whatever you know for for whatever reason but that but that message is still it still resonates that and something like say uh the freedom writers or you know that's you know that's you know that's a good that's a good one too like some people i've heard people judge it because it's uh you know because they think of it as like a white savior film you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which i can see you know which i can see that but they're talking they talk about the you know the the separation of the uh you know of of cultures like you got the you know blacks and and the and 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 latins and the and cambodians and everything else they're all separated and then this lady who finds herself teaching in a school in the hood has to put them all together and now it's like but then you read about what actually happened and i'm like wow they got a lot of stuff right actually you know (laughs) yeah and the thing and the thing is this like you can learn from anybody black or white yellow red or brown you can yep. learn good from them, you can learn bad from them. And sometimes we, we have to get to the point where we can, what's that, don't kill the messenger? 
Like no, you can take the message. Up. You know what I'm saying? No. So you, without you know killing killing a messenger or whatever. Yeah. But I can I can see why people view it that way. Another another movie that was good was like Dangerous Minds, but it was yeah. another white person, you know, helping black and other other minorities. But I, I could see past that when I first came to my uh, knowledge of stuff. All I saw was that, and you know, I'm still about my people to the core, but my mind is much more broad now, and right. I can learn from anybody, no matter race, religion, or creed, gender. I can learn from anybody. I'm open yeah. to learn. I love learning. You know, I, I know who I am as a black man. I stand on that. Yeah, I'm proud, black first, all that. But you can learn from anybody, though. But I understand, like you said, why people view it that way as well. Yeah. You know, I didn't start hearing that until I got older because I just love the I loved the uh, I love the message of the movie. Like I used to want to write mostly fiction. Right. Because I I love to, you know, to uh, create different worlds in my in my head that was always fostered in me. So, mm-hmm. you know, so I would take my dreams, like my literal dreams and write them down because I dream in color, you know. Yeah. So it would be like that. And then one day. I wrote like a 14 page manuscript and a 14 page manuscript wrote half of it in pen and the other half in pencil and then the pencil faded. Oh, so I lost a good chunk of where my story was going. It was, it was very heavy in dialogue. I think I was writing a script and I just quit. Mm. Right. But when I hear people like you or even, you know, or people that are, that are close to me that have, that have published, their books or are about to take that step to publish, you know, to publish a book and get their message out. It makes me want to start writing again, honestly. I'm happy to hear that. You might be surprised when you get done and put, pick that pen up again, what you, what will come out of you. Yeah. You might, you might, Hey, you might, uh, what's up? What Tupac say? Now I reference Tupac a lot. Cause that's my favorite artist of all time. He said, he said, I'm not saying I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee you, I would spark the brain that would change the world. And you never know what you might do when you write the, write down and use that pen. Yeah. You know, the pen is let's say the pen is mightier than the, the, the sword. Yeah. It's the it's it's the truth. Tupac, Tupac, the reason why Tupac is is rem, is remembered is not just because he knew how to rhyme. Right. The reason the, the reason why Tupac is one of the is one of the goats <laughs> is because of his influence. We're we're still dissecting interviews from Tupac. Yeah. We're yes. still we're still. I, um, J- Jada Pickett Smith put out that that letter that you know one of the early poems she got from Tupac, and people went nuts. They went ap- they went absolutely nuts because they were best because they were best friends. We still we still look at Pac as if he's still here, and really I don't know where you you know like where you stand on that but honestly it's like the dude the dude he struck a nerve mm, yeah and it oh, yeah. never it never stopped that's true it never stopped so really like that's you know that's what i that's what i see for you your your words are already making an impact your story is already making an impact right thank you man thanks kyle man Appreciate yeah. that, bro. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, and it was what's amazing that he was only twenty five too. You yeah. know, and, and now time go by fast. I was like, it's, I was twenty five seven years ago. <laughs> right. You know, so, so yeah, but that's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I, I'm, I'm thirty. I'm thirty four now. Okay. And two and Tupac's birthday just passed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he would have been he would have been fifty years old. 50 Imagine years old. like. Um, imagine what he would have come out with to you know today even in even in today's like landscape as far as far as hip-hop goes or where it's going imagine what he would have come out with today because people like to say that if you know if Tupac and Biggie were still around we wouldn't have that you know we wouldn't have what we have now like the, you know as far as the scene but it's like I'm thinking that some of them would probably use some of what today's you know today's MCs are doing except they do it in their own way you know, yeah, like I could still like I could you know see them try to get down on a trap beat, you know. Absolutely. Would absolutely. I see them doing the tra- trap trap uh, flow? 
Maybe, but not like everyone else is doing. Like I can't see them slathered in. I can't hear them slathered in auto tune. That's my biggest right. 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 You know. Right. That's right. My, that's, that's like and my biggest right. <laughs> and then you don't. You, you never know how they could have changed. You know. Exactly. You know, because all we can all we can go off is what we think. You know what we had. You know, you never know how a person could evolve. Right. You never know what person may go in life in actuality. Some people. I know like they went from being some of the worst people to the best people. And I've seen some people go from bad to worse. And I saw, and I've seen good people go from being the worst people. And you're like, and wow, man, I never gonna, thought you were turning out like this. So you just, you just never know. You, no, just never, you know. never know what's going to imprint on someone. You never know what's going to influence someone, whether it be negatively or positively. That's true. You know? That's so true. we, you know, sometimes we just have, to, we just have to wait. We just have to wait and see. That's right. Cause you me, know? you both, we could be exposed to the same thing, same environments and still turn out differently. Yeah, completely different. Take it, you know, take it completely to a different, you know, to a different um, way, you know, because not every, we're not all supposed to be the same mentally, right. physically, whatever, but we are the same as in we're human beings. Absolutely. We're only on this planet for a short amount of time. There is no reason why we shouldn't be able to, should be able to come together on, even if we disagree on something, at least agree that something needs to change. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, I think I'm off my soapbox for the day. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, but I got one more question for you. Okay. One more question for you. If you could go back in time, right? Or if the younger version of yourself came to the future to ask you, how'd we turn out? What would you tell them? Say it one more time. How, how do we what? How did we turn out? How did we grow up? And my younger version of myself would come to the future. And ask, how did how do we turn out when we're, you know, when you grow up? I'm, I'm kind of I'm a little confused on that on that question, Kyle. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, okay, let's put it this way. All right, you okay, we're all different, you know. All right. Okay. You're not the same person you were when you were a kid, right? You've right. gone through a lot of you've gone you've gone through a lot of things that made you the man that you are today. Okay. Right. So say your so say your younger self was wondering at some point, right? They just okay. happened to they just happened to come across you and be like, oh my God, you're me. What's different? Right. You know, you seem you seem this way. You seem happier. You seem a lot more sure of yourself. How do you know? How did I become you, essentially? Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I get that now. Mm-hmm. Well, so my younger self asked my, me now, how did I become who I am now? Yeah. And I would say I embraced, I, no, I would say I sat with my pain. And what I mean by that, I sat with my pain, meaning that I had to get to, the root causes of my pain. Mm. And I had to go back to the childhood. I had to deal with that trauma. I had to deal with the abuse. I had to deal with my insecurities. I had to deal with the harsh reality of life. I had to deal with the the, the, the unattractive things, the, the, the stuff that wasn't pretty. And I had to really come to grips with that. And I had to deal with reality or reality was gonna deal with me because if I didn't deal with the reality, I'd probably be somewhere dead, probably on drugs, probably be in prison, or probably just be living just a, a basic life. And I'm not throwing shade at nobody who just want to go to work and just uh, go home. But I probably would be living a basic life if I wasn't willing to step out and and experience life and deal with all the issues I needed to deal with. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's that's so important to really deal with your problems a lot of us we go our whole life and we deal with some things but we we run away from other things we think about work overworking we think about smoking drinking getting high sex or entertainment mm-hmm. that you just forget about your problems but i set with my problems my insecurities about my body my insecurities with women all my problems i sit with that's why i'm in therapy right now today because i'm sitting with my problems and i'm dealing with it and it helps me to live a fuller life. It helps me 
to experience new things. I know there's a whole other side of life. I came up in the poverty and all that. I know that's like I'm doing a little bit better now, but I still want to know what the other side of life is like. I want to know what it's like to be well off. I want to experience that. And I can only experience that by really sitting with my, my pain and dealing with it. Because oftentimes the things that keep us from growing, the keep us, things that keep us from living, is the things that's inside of us and the things that started in that home that we came from. Mm-hmm. Where would our problems come from? Childhood, family, and all those things that we were exposed to. So for me, my thing is to really sit with my pain. And that's how I became the, the man I am today compared to the boy I was in the past. Good answer. How do you feel about that? I mean, it's just, it's just my truth. It's the truth. I say this, I say, even if you, if you lie to everybody in the world, at least when you lay down at night, at least be real with yourself. Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we get out of here, let people know where they can reach you. You can reach me on Facebook, Trey Styles, Instagram, Trey Styles nine seven eight. You can. I'm on Clubhouse as well. I'm on Twitter, Trey Styles seventeen. You can find my book Black Boy Rise on Amazon via paperback or ebook. And your podcast? Well, my podcast is Black Man Talk on YouTube. You can also find it on Spotify and. Uh, Practically all other uh, streaming platforms, mm-hmm. and it's and it's Black Man Talk. It's one word: Black Man Talk. Black Man Talk. See, that's why it was it, it was it was. I, I, I'm gonna admit it was a little difficult for me to find it on YouTube because I put it all in separate words. But it's cool. It's cool. You already you have you got a new subscriber. So. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, man. Of course, of course. Support. You know. And like I said, you got great content. So. Thank you. I want to thank you, my brother, for coming up today and t- and sharing your truth with us. And hope you know. And definitely, this will not be the last time that you and I speak. Definitely not. Right. And anyone out there who can relate to Mr. Styles' story, just know that you're not alone. We're on this. We're on this together. And things will get better, no matter yes, what. They will. It can, we've, we've gone through this freaking coronavirus for the past year, lost some good, you know, lost some, some, some good people. Right. But it's going to be something that we never forget. Things have changed. Some really, you know, just ridiculously, you know, crazy things, but other things for the better. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to continue to focus on the positives and I hope you do the same. Absolutely. I will. Mm Mm-hmm. I thank you for having your platform, said, brother. Oh, thank you. No, thank you for thank you for uh, for telling your truth. Thank you for being on here today. And with that being said, I'm Kyle Eric, and we bid you peace and love. Have a good night. <laughs>